Acts 10, verses 23 to 48. It says this, The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house, and at the ninth hour, behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner, by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him up on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among them, uh, among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that as we look at this text, that you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit, that you would be challenging and and, uh, encouraging us from it, Lord. We thank you that you have uh, sustained us with your word for thousands of years, that you have brought this truth before us, that we might know the good news of Jesus Christ, that we as even Gentiles would know the, 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 the creator God because of Christ Jesus and what he has done. It's in his name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so uh, before we jump into the text, I wanted to ask you about, uh, about credit cards because they're very um, important to this text, obviously. I mean, you guys picked up on that, right? Credit cards? Um, <clears throat> now, so credit cards have, uh, I don't know if you know about this, but credit cards have 
a lot of hidden rewards. And I actually found out about lots of different hidden rewards that, uh, that credit cards have uh, this day. And I, do, I advise you to, uh, you know, to, to be sure that you're in the right financial uh, status in which to uh, take out a credit card, make sure you can handle that responsibility. But with credit cards, you think that the only thing that you're getting is a line of credit in which to buy things that you don't have the funds yet for, but will have the funds later for, right? That's the main purpose of a credit card is to give you credit where you don't have money to pay up front. Um, and so that's the, that's the main purpose of a credit card. The main, uh, the main reason for getting one is to manage your, your cash flow, really, in a, in a, in a, in a way. And so, uh, but one thing that is interesting is that credit cards come with lots of different uh, rewards that they don't really tell you about uh, up front. But each credit card carrier has various different uh, perks or rewards that actually come with them that are pretty common and that, that you should actually check out if you, if you get a credit card sometime or uh, need one at some point, you should uh, check them out and see what kind of uh, benefits that come with the credit card. So uh, just to name a few, uh, if you've ever needed to rent a car, uh, this is a pretty common one that people know about credit cards. Uh, with, with a credit card, if you rent the car with your credit card, most credit cards actually cover your insurance for the car that you uh, that you're going to rent, and uh, you know you usually when you rent a car you go up there and they say you know do you want uh, do you want this extra insurance it's only you know fifty dollars a day to on top of your rental and it'll cover you on any anything uh, well credit cards actually provide a large portion of that insurance already if you just book with uh, with your credit card so it's a it's a perk that they don't necessarily tell you up front but if you use your credit card for that purpose you get that added benefit. Um, they also apparently have cell phone replacement insurance. This is a new one that I heard of. If you buy your credit card uh, or buy your cell phone with a credit card, and uh, and sometimes there's a restriction of you have to pay your monthly cell phone bill with the credit card, uh, they'll actually replace your cell phone if uh, if it breaks or if you lose it or if it's damaged or stolen. Uh, some credit cards actually cover that. Um, uh, some also cover this is a pretty cool one: price protection. So if you buy some item during the year, say you buy a stereo and you get it for $500, okay, this stereo, it's beautiful stereo, you're ready to jam out your music, uh, they'll actually cover if you find that same stereo, that exact same stereo later in the year for, for say $400 and it's not a sale, it's just a different price, they'll actually refund you the $100 difference between the price that you bought it for and the price that you found it for later at a different vendor. So price protection, didn't know about that one. Um, also, roadside assist- assistance. Uh, you know, AAA, well, a lot of credit cards actually come with uh, uh, their own form of AAA. They'll help you in different circumstances. And that's just one, those are just four of about 11 that, that I found in this particular list. So if you want, if you want more, uh, more potential ideas for what credit cards can, uh, what hidden rewards credit cards have, uh, you know, come up, come up afterwards and uh, always uh, tell you to make sure you read your own credit card uh, information, talk to your credit card company before you actually, you know, go about trying to do one of these things. Uh, but these things are available if you're using a credit card. So um, it's interesting. They've got some hidden rewards. You think that it's just to uh, provide you credit uh, where you don't have any, but actually it has that as well as maybe some other rewards, maybe cash back or maybe some of these various things that you don't normally think of. You just think about the credit that it's extending to you rather than the other benefits that it might also uh, give to you in some of these circumstances, especially really to the travel, it seems like. Um, and really, that's, uh, that's similar to our understanding of the gospel. And uh, you may not 
see the connection yet, but uh, a lot of times we see the gospel as this one simple fact, right? That Christ has come and died for us and that he's given us eternal life. And that's the only thing that we focus on. We focus on that idea that in Jesus, we have been given eternal life. And that is true, and that's the core of, the core purpose of the gospel, the core reason that, Christ, that God sent his son was the, we might be restored to God's presence, we might have eternal life in Jesus Christ. But what we're going to look at tonight is, uh, I'm, I'm calling this message the full gospel, because in our passage tonight, we see a couple of other things that also come along with being uh, restored to the presence of God, okay, that we don't necessarily think about all the time. And one is uh, liberation. God has a heart to liberate us from the oppression of the devil. So not only does he provide for us salvation in Christ Jesus, but his desire in Jesus is that we be li- liberated from any oppression of the devil. Okay, we are righteous in Christ Jesus. Evil cannot oppress us in the name of Jesus. We can uh, extend the name of Jesus against any oppression that the devil would, would try to extend. And the second thing that we see is that God also gives us a purpose. He has a purpose for our restoration unto him. Okay? God has given us each gifts and abilities in which to exalt him, to edify one another with. So it's not just, the gospel isn't just about receiving eternal life in Jesus. That is, I mean, that is clearly the core of it, that Christ has, has brought the very presence of God to us because of what he did on the cross. But entailed in that, as a part of it, we're also liberated from the schemes of the devil. We are also restored to a purpose in the body of Christ and in this world where we maybe lacked purpose or, or had, uh, had our purpose wrapped up in what we wanted to do or our self-interest. Now God has given us a purpose in which to glorify the name of the Son among the earth, to encourage and strengthen the brothers and sisters in Christ with God's word or with the gifts that he has given us. So there's more to it. There are, are so, so-called hidden rewards, more, more to the gospel. The full gospel is more than just, just eternal life. It has implications for our life now. So we're going to look at this passage real quickly and just walk through so we have a context of, of what's going on here. Uh, you'll remember last week that we saw that Peter and Cornelius both had sort of visions. Peter had a vision of a, of a, 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 a sheet coming down from heaven with these animals that he had never touched or eaten. Uh, and the Lord was saying, kill and eat. He was showing Peter that he could, he could now eat these things that he was, uh, before he was restricted from eating. Okay, he was showing Peter that God has made clean these things that were once unclean for Peter. And the very purpose that we focused on is that, is that Peter now saw that he could interact freely with the Gentiles because of what Christ had done. And simultaneously we saw this, that uh, Cornelius was a, a Gentile man in the city of Caesarea. And he saw a vision from God, came to him and said, Cornelius, I've seen your good deeds, I've seen your almsgiving, and I've seen your prayer. Now send to Joppa and have Peter come to me, come to you, and, and have him tell you what, uh, what, he need, what I've told him. Okay, so Peter and Cornelius both have these, these separate experiences with the Lord, and the Lord draws them together. And so here in this passage, we're seeing them actually interact for the first time. So in verses 23 to 29, we see that, uh, that Peter rises and goes with the, the delegation that had come to get him to take him back to Cornelius. 
And starting on, in verse 24, it says, The following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting him and had called together his relatives and his close friends. And as Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Cornelius, who had had this vision, thought that, that Peter was this angelic or, or uh, uh, godlike figure. And as he came in, he began to worship Peter. He thought Peter was uh, somehow a god. And Peter quickly rebukes him and says, uh, Peter lift him, lifted it up and says, Stand up, I too am a man. You see that Peter's heart has already changed. You see, before uh, we see that Peter would not have interacted at all with Gentiles, and now he is, he is saying, we are equal, we are brothers, we are the same. Verse 28, he goes on to say, And he said to him, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Now Peter has said, no, do not honor me as some godlike figure. Rather, honor me as an equal to you. God loves me just as much as he loves you. There is no difference in God's love for, uh, for the both of us. So Peter, as he's had this realization that, that God has broken down this, uh, this idea of uh, a needing to, to be among the people of Israel in order to interact with, with God, he says, I, I came because I was sent for, and I came without objection because what God had done in me. Okay, so we see now Cornelius and Peter meeting, and, and Peter saying to, to Cornelius, listen, before it was unlawful for me to interact with you, now I, I see that you are, uh, you are just as uh, loved by God as I am. This is a powerful shift, as we said, in, this, in, in the book of Acts, where we see the Gentiles receiving the love of God. And Cornelius responds uh, to, to Peter's question, why did you send me? By saying, uh, well, four days ago, he explained the vision that we, that we talked about last week. He says, four days ago, about this hour, I'm praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send to Joppa, therefore, and ask for Simon. So he sends for him at once and uh, it says, and you have been kind enough to come now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear what you have been commanded to say by the Lord. So Cornelius knows that this message is, is vital, that it's very important, that it's of implication, not just for him and not just for his family, not just for his servants, but even his close friends. He has brought them all together in his house to hear what this man is going to say to him. And then next we see what exactly Peter says, which is simply uh, Peter's presentation of the gospel, the presentation of what God's, uh, God's care for the nations, God's love for the nations through Christ, and what Christ did and accomplished on the cross. So we see Peter opens his mouth and says, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that was sent to Israel preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. And he goes on to explain the gospel uh, very clearly that forgiveness of sins is in the name of Jesus only. We'll go through that passage a little more in detail as we, as we work through the, through the message. But uh, what we see happen in the final section of this passage is that the Gentiles now respond, that they actually place their faith in Jesus. And we see the Holy Spirit fall upon, uh, upon the, uh, the Gentiles, the, the household of Cornelius, 
and they begin speaking in tongues and, and praising God in this time. It's just very reminiscent of the time of Pentecost when, uh, when uh, Peter and the apostles uh, began to speak in other languages and proclaim uh, mightily the word of God to those that were around. So that's the basic outline of the, of the passage tonight. We see Peter and Cornelius coming together, Cornelius explaining why he sent for Peter, Peter presenting very plainly the gospel, and we see then Cornelius and his household responding to, to, with faith in Jesus Christ. And of great amazement to those that had come with Peter, they see that the Holy Spirit has been poured out even upon these Gentiles. You can imagine the shock that they might have had as, as Peter has just said that before this point, he understood it to be the case that, that it was unlawful for a Jew to interact with or to even be in the presence of a Gentile. There was a dividing wall between these two peoples. And now that dividing wall has been shattered in Christ Jesus. And we are all one in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit has fallen upon the Gentiles. It's a beautiful thing. So uh, we see in, uh, in this passage that Jesus brings salvation to all men. The main point of this passage is simply that, that God has taken the message of the gospel and sent it to the Gentiles. Galatians uh, 3, uh, 3.16 says this about this very truth. Now the promises that were made to Abraham, we spoke about those weeks ago, uh, and to his offspring, it did not say, and to offsprings, re- referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring who is Christ. What we're seeing here is that the promises that were made to Abraham, the promises that all the nations will be blessed through Abraham's offspring, is Christ Jesus. That's the key message in, in this text, is that Christ is, is the one that would bless the nations, and he's blessing them by bringing them to saving faith, restoring them into the, the, present, the very presence of God. So we see that the Gentiles are saved by faith in Christ Jesus. Earlier in Galatians 3, it says, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In all the nations, uh, in, in you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith and are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So we see again that, that the gospel is going forth to the Gentiles. This is the message that we're seeing in this text, that this this, this community that once was just, uh, just a sect of Judaism has now branched out and is going forward uh, to the Gentiles, to those who had previously been unlawful to even associate with. This is a beautiful transformation that we're seeing in this passage. So that's the key, the key point that we see in the, in, the, in the whole of the text, the message is going to the, uh, to the Gentiles. And uh, we see, again, three things that the gospel is about. The gospel is chiefly about salvation, the, the main thing that we understand the gospel to be about, salvation. It's also about liberation. And finally, it's about restoration. So first, God's plan for, uh, for salvation. Simply, we know this and we've gone over it many times, but uh, the fact is that through our sin, we have rejected God's presence. 
And being aware of this, we even seek ways in which we can make up for that. We, we try and do good things. We try to be nice to our neighbors. We try to, uh, try to help people. We try to uh, not uh, avoid hurting people. We do things to try and uh, improve our status and, and try and work our way back to God somehow. But the fact is, all the good that we do and all the sin that we avoid can never bridge the gap between us and God. We're sinners in need of a Savior. Romans 5, 8 says uh, this to us, that God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We had no hope before Christ died for us. We had nowhere to uh, place our faith, no, no, uh, no steps in which we could take to restore ourselves unto God. We were hopeless without him. We see in, in the famous passage, John three sixteen to 18, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in his name shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. See, it's clear to us, even, even from this passage, that there is one way to be restored to the very presence of the Father, and that's through Jesus. That's the core of the gospel, that salvation is found in Christ and in Christ alone. Let's get, look again at our passage from tonight, at verses 42 to 43. Peter, as he's speaking to Cornelius and to his family, presents the gospel plainly to them in verses 42 and following. He says, And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name, through the name of Jesus. There is no other name by which men can be saved, but through the name of Jesus. God's plan for salvation is Christ. Our trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord has brought the very presence of God into our lives. And the two major implications of that that we see that we don't normally focus on are the fact that we've been liberated from oppression because of God's presence in our lives. And we've been restored to purpose in the kingdom of God because of the presence of the Lord in our lives. So first let's look at uh, God's heart for liberation in our hearts. There are, there are groups that uh, that simply focus on liberation in the gospel. They'll take liberation as the only piece of the gospel. They'll cling to that and that they'll, they'll say their purpose is only in providing liber- liberation of the oppressed. But this is only a part of the gospel and its key focus is on the oppression that the devil brings. We see this in verses 34 to 38. Um, as Peter is explaining his, uh, uh, the, the gospel to Cornelius and his and his household, he says, uh, first he shows, his, shows God's heart for the nations in verses 34 to 35. He says, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what, ri- what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that was sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism John proclaimed. 
We see that God does not favor one group of people over another group of people, but rather he loves all people the same. He desires all people return to his very presence. But he's provided for that in a very specific way through Christ, as we just looked at. In verse 38, we see that, uh, that God desires for all men to be liberated from oppression. We see this because we look at Christ's ministry. Peter, as he's explaining Christ's ministry in this, in this uh, passage, in verse 38, he says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Jesus, in his ministry, anywhere he went, all the people that he encountered, he frees all of them from the oppression of the devil. He cast it out. The, 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 the presence of the devil could not exist in his presence because he carries the very presence of God. And in God, there's no shadow of turning. He is completely holy. So as Jesus walked the earth, there's no evil that could come close to him. He, he turned away all oppression of the devil and every person that he encountered. So we asked the question, what does, what does oppression look like today? What does the oppression of the evil one look like today? It looks like fears, our fears, our addictions, our, our lack of self-worth, our apathy, physical afflictions, hopelessness. These are stem from the oppression of the devil who would tell us that we are something that we are not, who would tell us that we are hopeless, who would tell us that we will never be healed, who would tell us that we will always be fearful, that we will always be addicted, that we will never break through. These are oppressions of the devil. The devil is simply a deceiver. He's telling us we are less than we actually are. He's telling us that we are defeated when in Christ we are not. See, Christ speaks over us this truth and speaks over all humanity this truth. We are made in the image of God. And if we feel anything less than that, less than the fact that we are made in the image of God, then we are under the oppression of the evil one. You see, the, the key component of the, the Christ's ministry and his, uh, his freeing those from the oppression of the devil was the fact that the very presence of God was with Christ throughout his ministry. He was God in the flesh. No evil could come into his presence. He would cast it out as soon as it came. The evil had to flee. And that's why we can be assured of liberation in the gospel today for ourselves. Because we know that because of what Christ has done, because of the salvation he's provided on the cross, we now hold the very presence of God. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We are sons and daughters of God. We no longer have to put up with the oppression that the devil would put upon us. I was talking with uh, some friends about this this week, and um, you know, the truth is we, we talk about um, you know, going through difficult circumstances. And, and I wouldn't say that uh, being freed from the oppression of the devil means that we don't endure difficult circumstances or persecution or suffering. That's not the case. What's said here is that we are freed from the oppression of the devil so that even if we're going through a difficult circumstance, our hope is not on things present, but rather on what God has given us, a status before him, assurance of salvation, power over the evil one. 
Though we face hardships, we will not be discouraged, just like Paul, who faced so many hardships in his lives, yet spoke boldly of God's faithfulness to him. While, in pres- while he was in prison, wrote so boldly to the churches of, of his faith in Christ Jesus. So it's not that we won't face difficult times. It's not that we won't come against difficult circumstances. But in those circumstances, as Christians, we have hope. Because Christ has fought all our battles. And he stands victorious over our lives. God has freed us from the oppression of the devil. If you're fearful or if you're addicted or if you're lacking self-worth or you're, if you're apathetic or, or you're facing some affliction, or if you're hopeless, those are things that, the, that Satan is deceiving us with. Because in Christ we have been given eternal hope that overshadows any of those things. He's given us freedom from oppression. Not only does God liberate us from the schemes of the evil one, but finally he restores us to purpose. When you receive Christ Jesus, you, you, you too are commissioned just like the disciples. You've now been given a message, a, a hope a transformation, an experience with the Lord that you must share in some way with this world. You might not be someone that gets up and speaks or something, or, or maybe you're not the person that, that goes out on the street and, and shares, uh, shares tracks, or maybe that's not your, the way that, that it manifests in you. Maybe it's just simply loving your neighbor, loving the person next to you, or extending a hand and saying, I've been blessed by the Lord and now I bless you. God's purpose uh, for restoration is that we move from serving ourselves to serving the body of Christ and serving uh, the people of God. See, just as Christ was anointed with the Holy Spirit to do good and heal those who are oppressed, the Holy Spirit is given to believers that we might encourage and equip one another in our faith. <clears throat> we see in verses 44 to 48 that the presence of the Holy Spirit is the one that comes upon us when we receive Christ Jesus. See, while Peter is sharing these things with the Gentiles, the Holy Spirit falls upon, uh, uh, upon these people and we see two things happen. First, we see them uh, speaking in tongues and second, we see them extolling God, praising Him. And I see two things there. First, that in the Holy Spirit, we see gifts distributed and we see worship of God with people's lives. And like I said, uh, each of us have been given some different gift with which uh, the, the restoration of purpose has manifest in us. You can see in Romans 12 and, and 1 Corinthians 12, these different gifts that God has poured out upon his children. Gifts of serving, gifts of teaching, of giving, of exhortation, of leading, of miracles, of prophecy, of tongues, of interpretation of tongues, evangelism, wisdom, knowledge, and there's more to it than that even. God has poured out gifts on his children that we might equip one another for the work of the gospel. The Holy Spirit is given to all who believe in Jesus for the equipping of the church. The very presence of God has come down and where we once served ourselves and our own interests. Now he's given us gifts and abilities to serve one another. We might bless each other, that one might bring a song and one might bring a prayer. 
that one might serve and that one might encourage. We're a body of Christ. There's no uh, one individual that has all these gifts. We must support one another as God has gifted us to do so. Not only has he equipped us to and given us a purpose for uh, encouraging and strengthening one another, but also for extending the mission of God to the places that we've been called to. He's gifted us differently in which to love our neighbor. One person might be bold and might go up to their neighbor and say, do you know Jesus Christ? And boldly witness in that way. Or one might come softly and say, can I help you with that flat tire? See, the gifts that we have in ministering the Lord's grace are are different. But they serve the same purpose. To extend the love of God that he has extended to us. And to share this good news that Christ has restored us to the very presence of God through Jesus. What does it look like for the Holy Spirit to be at work in my life? It's, It's to operate in my gifting and to worship God with that. Once I served myself and served my own interest and served my own glory, and now my life has been changed, it's been given a new purpose, an eternal one, to serve for the glory of God, to serve my brothers and sisters, to encourage and strengthen the church. All this starts with Christ. It starts with salvation, but extends and gives us liberation and restoration Yes, the gospel is about eternal life in Jesus the Son, that Christ has saved me from my sin and restored me to the very presence of God, that he's the only one who can do that, that by faith in him alone am I restored to God the Father. That is the gospel. But the gospel is also this, that we are no longer oppressed by the schemes of the evil, but we stand boldly against him in the fight. Will we face difficulties? Yes. But we'll face them with the eternal hope of Christ Jesus. And finally, the gospel is about restoration to purpose. He's given us a purpose, each and every one of us, for the equipping of the saints and for the spreading of the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Jesus. It begins and ends with him. Jesus has brought forth such great sacrifice that we can be restored to you, God Father. Lord, we were once separated by our sin from you, but now in Jesus we come near. Your very presence is in us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that, that we have salvation in you, that we have eternal hope in Jesus. And we thank you that not only that, but that you've liberated us from the schemes of the evil one and that you've restored us to purpose, that you've given us a meaning and a purpose in this life. We don't have to be apathetic about whether we're going to make a difference in this life or not. You've given us a distinct purpose in Jesus. We thank you for that. Lord, we pray that as we go through this week that, that we would remember that, yes, we have eternal hope in you. And we have authority against evil. And we also have a purpose in which to serve you. Thank you, Father. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.